Hey folks, thanks for coming back to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast. Today's episode is about how to better manage your organization's SaaS apps. While the shift to the cloud and a subscription-based software model is designed to help organizations save time and money and scale, managing the sheer amount of SaaS apps on the market can be challenging for IT professionals. To talk about this is Ashish Chandirana, the Chief Information Officer of Enterprise SaaS Management Platform Productive. Ashish talks about what apps are really being used and how CIOs can get a handle on SaaS app usage. Before we get to Ashish, Here's a quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google, and Spotify to hear weekly interviews with IT experts that can help you make the right decisions for your company. And now here's Ashish. All right, so Ashish, um, how and why has SaaS exploded over the last two years? And obviously we had, you know, the pandemic and, you know, remote and hybrid work, um, you know, what, what how did that lead to SaaS, this SaaS expansion that we've seen? I think that's a great question, Zachary. So I think the, um, I think firstly the explosion had a, had already started prior to the pandemic, and I think the pandemic accelerated it. I think um, a number of businesses essentially wanted to make sure that they were operationally sound and could continue, and were willing to take a bit more risk or accommodate a bit more risk or make sure that employees could actually, you know do their jobs from where they needed to be at that particular time. That's driven that kind of behavior. Um, and I think it's normalized it as well. So, um, you know, but SaaS, I think it already had that impact prior to the, to the pandemic. What was leading to, to that growth, you know, before before COVID and, and distributed work? Um, you know, I think the, the 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 SaaS story obviously starts sort of well in early in the t- sort of 2000s. I think the, I think the really that led to the growth prior to COVID is firstly, you know, the initial wave of SaaS apps that we saw were the kind of traditional business applications you would see, except they were being built as software as a service and sold as software as a service. I think what's happened now is where you, you sort of, you know, you get a bit further down that journey and into the sort of mid 2010s and you start to get consumer platforms blending into enterprise platforms and enterprise platforms having freemium and consumer versions. You know, if you think about file sharing and storage and, and then sort of products like Google Drive and Box and Dropbox, I think those kinds of things have really blurred the lines. I think the the consumerization of IT used to be a really, really big phrase about 10, 12 years ago. And everyone thought it was about being able to do your job on your mobile. Mm. I think this is actually that second wave of the consumerization of IT. So it kind of normalized that behavior as, as, as kind of the, just the sheer number of apps to do different things in your life exploded um, right. from that consumer-centric perspective. So what has Productive seen about, about kind of the state of SaaS over over? The last two years, you know, um, obviously we had apps like Zoom, Teams, Slack, which I think anyone listening to this, you know, they they know what those are. Um, you know, what are what are organizations struggling with when it comes to this SaaS expansion? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, it's a fair question. So I think there's um I think there's a, a, a number of things that uh, CIOs and and tech, technology leaders are, are sort of grappling with. One is um, you know, if you look across our data, uh, we're now seeing that on average companies have around about sort of between 250 and 300 applications in their portfolio. And that's either that they're managing them 
or buying them themselves, or they're somewhere inside the organization. Mm. And when I say somewhere inside the organization, we're also seeing that actually about 45% of those applications are being purchased outside of the IT org. So that could be everyone, anyone sort of sitting at home with a credit card, expensing one sort of user license for a particular application, or it could be you know, a purchase order being raised by the marketing department for a bunch of um, sort of MarTech tools or, or subscriptions that they need for their jobs and kind of going out there and doing those things. The real challenge is uh, how do you put any form of governance around these things? And you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of people are often frightened to look under that rock because if you do look under it, then you've got to deal with that problem. Yeah. Um, the, I think you know the way the way that we approach the world and the way that productive kind of approaches the world is, um, is is actually we talk a lot about proactive governance and this is about actually just understand what you've got. Let's park the ownership conversation, the decision making piece. But until you know what you've got inside your ecosystem, it's really hard for you to know how to govern or what decisions to make. Once you understand that the data, the insights, the adoption, usage, spend, all of that really comes to light. But it also gives you a real clear picture on, hey, what what, what are the needs of your teams and, and organizations uh, that, that you look after versus sort of being that gatekeeper and, and sort of legacy kind of mentality of, you know, if it gets through the gate, you can use it. I, I think that ship sailed. Right. What are you finding in terms of uh, the, the collaboration apps that companies are using? So like I said, we have Zoom, Teams, Slack. Um, you know, at, at our company, uh, we use Teams internally, um, sometimes externally. Then we use Zoom for, for any you know, external customers or, or interviews like this. Um, just there is, there's, so, there's so damn many. There, there's, you know, there's, yeah. Go to meeting. There's Google Meet. There's still WebEx. They're still hanging around. Um, you know how? Yeah. How look, many, how many companies are using multiple collaboration apps like us? So I think um, that's a great question, and that's actually it's one of the focus areas that I, I speak to a lot of our our customers and potential customers about, which is actually I've got a lot of these things. I do want some consolidation because I want to minimize risk service. I want to be able to stop user confusion and all those things. The areas where we're seeing the most proliferation though, very directly are, you're right, the, the, the video conferencing suites and platforms um, uh, have taken off in a, in, a, in a really huge way. Naturally, that makes sense with remote work and hybrid work. Um, what we are seeing is actually people taking very smart decisions using data on some of these things. A, good, a great example would be we had a, uh, a use case where um, someone had multiple tools. I believe it was Google Meet and Zoom. And when we started to look at the data, because we really look at feature level usage data to drive understanding of what's really going on here, that all the internal calls and messaging was all happening on Google Meet and the external stuff was happening on Zoom. And their external stuff was predominantly a sales or with revenue. So you're not going to take Zoom licenses away from those guys, right? So you, we are seeing this kind of mixed sort of mode uh, approach. The second piece is there is a little more interoperability between some of these platforms now than there once was. I think Google being the, the sort of large exception. Ironically, one of the first to the party, but pretty much last from a technical standpoint now, I'd say. So I think um, we are seeing this, this sort of multiple tool 
kind of thing within there. I think the second thing that you touched on is really interesting. I think the Slack versus Teams debate also influences the video debate quite a lot, uh, largely because video is embedded inside Teams, um, which is obviously the old Skype product as, as, as we know it. Um, when we look at our data and what people use Teams for and what people use Slack for, they're actually radically different. It's yeah. really, really interesting. Yeah, um, I published a blog on, on this, which uh, I'll share with you, obviously, but um, that uh, Slack drives a lot more collaboration across teams mm -hmm. um, and cross-functional collaboration. Teams tends to be more in the point-to-point -point messaging. So there's less group messaging, less sort of announcements, less let's create a channel to collaborate around this idea, this project, this ad hoc thing that we might be doing this customer, this, you know, whatever else, these different, this, this, this set of code or this, you know, feature or whatever it might be. Teams is very much sort of, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be polite here and, and be the right way, but it, it, it does feel like it's, it's got a lot of great features, uh, but it's still very much um, in its earlier stages of, of, of being out in the market and its behavior seems to be mimicking a little bit more towards what Skype and Link and those kinds of products did. Mm. Uh, or, but the integration into the broader Microsoft ecosystem is like is excellent. It's a, the, way they, the way they've turned that into that suite is really good. And that brings me to the last point on your question is, you know, it, it's, it's the suite versus the best in class argument as well, which drives that decision. So you'll have a bunch of proponents of, look, I've got all my products in one place. I know how to administer them, control them, keep them, and you know, sort of deploy them. Versus actually, I want the best experience for each individual item. Uh, yeah, I think the collaboration industry has talked about interop for like forever for uh, for quite a few yeah. years. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're seeing really... that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So we're seeing a bit. We're seeing a bit better behavior now when we look at these sort of. Uh, the appliances you see in conference rooms and things like that, um, you're definitely more likely to be able to join a WebEx call from a Zoom room as opposed to sort of trying to do a Zoom call with a Zoom client on a WebEx on your on your sort of desktop machine. So um, you're right, we are seeing we are seeing some better stuff, and I think some of the standards that are coming out in the industry, it's good to see that those major players are, are sort of now agreeing on some of these things. So mm, absolutely. Um... What kind of so? What are you finding that that um, in terms of what kind of apps are really being used versus which are just proving to be sort of excessive and not really necessary? You know, here yeah. in twenty twenty two. Yeah. So we um when we looked at those two sort of two hundred and fifty to three hundred apps, we also started to look at it by by job discipline. So we build it. We we, we believe an employee centric view makes sense rather than a software asset view, which is a a very legacy technology kind of approach to these things. So um, when we build that employee-centric view, you know, what an engineer does is radically different to what a lawyer does, which is radically different to what an accountant does. When you start to look at the tools that sort of pervade across sort of disciplines, um, the ones that are really interesting that we're seeing a lot of proliferation and multiple tools of uh, are project management tools. And I think we've all seen the sort of the Asanas, the Monday.com, Smartsheet. Oh, I can also do this in Airtable and I can also do these different things. And actually for some, for some, for some teams, some companies and some CIOs, they're, they're totally comfortable with that. And they, if they want that sort of best in class, class approach or 
they're fans of Shadow IT. I, I personally believe Shadow IT is an indicator of where you, your strategy could be going or should be going, actually. It's mm -hmm. almost that democratization uh, and giving you real-time data and feedback on what your, your ecosystem is. Um, so I think some people are comfortable with that. I think when you start to, again, then, then look at what's going on, which is, hang on a minute, I've got a product team here that's that's using platform A. And I've got an engineering team here that's using platform B. Um, but they're trying to collaborate, but they're not using the same thing. So you're also creating data silos. So yes, there might be a whole bunch of tech debt and people might be using the best in class tools, but we are now starting to see, um, we are now starting to see these kinds of conversations happen at the table, which is, okay, do I need eight project management tools? I'm happy to have three or four, you know, these, these, these tools might be better in, in, you know, for a financial planner than it might be for an engineering team. But actually, we need to have a conversation about these things. Yeah. And, and look, if you're also from a security perspective and, you know, even if you, if you, if you don't own security inside an organization, I do here at Productive, um, you know, this is the kind of stuff that keeps you awake at night, which is how many copies of the same piece of data sit in how many different platforms and what's right. my risk surface, you know? So um, I think, you know, those, I think you pick the, I think you pick the, the right ones with video. I think the second one is definitely sort of project management and, and then those things around that. Mm. Yeah. Can we talk about the, those security concerns a little bit more? Cause I mean, that's probably, um, yeah. probably at the top of our list of, of the dangers of, um, you know, uh, this, this SaaS explosion, um, you know, so what are the cybersecurity implications there? Yeah, I'll go back to sort of the bit that I said before. It's, it's the proactive governance piece on this is, is, is critical. So, um, you know, we have an approach where we go through, we, we have constant discovery. So initially you deploy productive, we'll tell you how many apps you've got based on, on the systems in the ecosystem that we're connected into. And that's apps that you've purchased versus apps being, you know, expensed by an employee or someone's, you know, they've appeared somehow. In some cases, we were able to help you with free accounts on free apps and things like that as well. I think once you've got an idea of the size of the, of the problem or the size of the pie, it's then a question of actually, how do you put the guardrails in place to make sure that people can make these decisions? They can be as operational and as functional as they can, want to be on day one of their new job, right? You know, unboxing that laptop has become a bit of a thing at home now, right? The kits everybody gets uh, for hybrid work. But, you know, rarely do you turn up on day one and have, you know, license of, you know, license for app number 63 that I need. Um, so I think that's the, the, getting those bits right and understanding what you have actually starts to help you put the guardrails around it. I think the security piece that then double, doubles down on that is as you onboard, an employee, actually give them the right tools out of the box. So don't just give them an email account, a Zoom account, and a Slack account. Right. Give them, and if they work in the sales team, well, you know what? Well, make sure they have the right level of Salesforce license. Make sure they have the right level of, of um, uh, you know, if you use revenue tools like Boostup or Gob or whatever else it might be, make sure they have access to that straight away. And this is why I mean you've got to build an employee-centric model, not all people are the same doing the same job and using the same five applications. That was a story 20, 25 years ago, for sure. Uh, we're just not in that world right now. Right. So I actually think the security implications of this is that once you've understand what you've got, put this governance layer around it, and then actually you can deploy and point people in the right direction. So actually you start to use 
a more of a, a vitamin approach for your shadow IT rather than a, a painkiller, which is going down and shutting everything off. Right. Um, so aside from um, obviously security and really just you know being more you know, more efficient and smart with, with the with the IT budget, um, you know how how does this kind of visibility help IT understand what end users really need to to do their job? So love the question. So I think the um, we shouldn't underplay the the financial prudence piece here. I think we're about to see some really challenging times from a macroeconomic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, never has there been more need for closer alignment between uh, CFOs and CIOs, for that matter. You know, one of the biggest line items, other than sort of headcount in any budget in any company, is software. Um, and I think you know, being able to demonstrate that you're running a tight ship in real time has real benefits no one wants to go through that being called in here's an envelope you've got to go through your books got to go through every little penny and every little item actually partner well with your your cfo partner well with your procurement team share transparently what is being used what isn't being used if it's not being used then you know you can't have too many safe cows you've got to go and take the approach of of we've got to go and decide whether we need this or not, whether there's a, an alternate already in the ecosystem that works better for us. I think the other piece that's really, really key is, is adoption. Um, a lot of people um, don't really, you know, we talk a lot about digital transformation and SaaS being one of the key drivers of that. We don't necessarily take a very digital approach to some of these things. So adoption for me is, is, is table stakes. There's, if you're buying a license for 100 bucks a year, for a particular product and it's only got 40 percent utilization on its features you're only really getting 40 dollars worth of value out of that product right. and you know it might be that that that's fine for certain applications in certain areas and you know one person only needs it for this but understanding what features are being used and we don't look at login we look at login as a data point but it's not the data point and i think traditionally because of the nature of on-premise apps and the way sort of asset management, software asset management has grown up in that ecosystem. We often treat login as usage. The digital mentality in that consumer world is if the, the Amazons of the world can predict what book I'm going to buy next. Mm. Uh, I should be able to understand from the click stream of data, which is already in your ecosystem in, inside yeah. your, you know, the admin console buried four tiers deep inside your organization, democratizing that data in a meaningful way, both with finance and your broader team, so you make smart decisions is, is really, really key. Yeah. This, this can also um, influence where you allocate your, your training and education resources. So if an end user isn't using an app that you're spending money for because it's too hard for the user, they don't understand how to use it, and then that's a clear education opportunity for, for IT. Exactly. exactly right. And, you know, not only that, that um, you know, where you can put in programs around training, but you can be really, really targeted, right? Uh, you know the um, you know as you sort of sort of talked about this employee centric model before, but why go and offer the entire company training when in fact the problem's actually in this particular team or in this particular region or in this mm-hmm. particular office? You could be hyper focused, you know, rather than send out you know here's a how to guide for all staff or put something on the intranet. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do an hour's lunch and learn with that particular team where they can drop in and ask any question on how to use this platform. So you can really exactly, as you said, double down and focus on the areas you really need to try to focus in. I think the second piece, which comes a little bit more into the transparency thing, and is a kind of an adjacent, uh, adjacent piece to this, which is 
we've all heard it as as as, as good partners and our our fellow C-suite executives. You know, which license you need? Oh, we need the top license for everybody. Um, and you know, license tiers are basically feature increments, right? And that's what you're paying for. And we understand that feature level usage. So, sort of also being able to turn around and say. Uh, to your to your colleagues in sales, look, you, you ask for everyone to have the most expensive Salesforce license or the most expensive Gong license or whatever else it might be. Actually, half your team only use the features that let them need a cheaper license. So we should go and have that conversation. Or do you want me to drive adoption of the other features? Mm. Right. That's that's the other piece here. Um, so there's a it's it's a lot more nuanced than it once was. Um, but for me, the, the consumer-centric um, uh, notion in this is, is, is it's a bit like the analytics world when you talk about your Google Analytics and your Amplitudes and your Adobe Analytics. It's like, we've got to take that kind of mentality out to our employees because that's the expectation now. Yeah, and hybrid has driven this even more. The experience in home, in the office, has to be as slick as it is anywhere else. It's got to be identical as well. Right. How has distributed work um, kind of been a breeding, a breeding ground for shadow IT or, or has it? Is that just kind of hearsay or is that what you're actually finding? Um, I think we're finding that. Uh, now it's, it's, it's hard to say what that data looked like prior to the pandemic yeah. being fully transparent just because of the volume of, of data that we have and the age of the company that, that it is. We're, we're, we're just about four years old and being in market just over three of those. So um, it's it's a bit challenging to say, look, the the, the, the data set that, that we see is COVID is, and, and sort of hybrid work has definitely driven that, that kind of behavior. I, I do see that slowing down if there is um, a need for people to go looking for, for savings uh, in the current climate. I think that that will shift. Um, what, what I do think, uh, I, I still think there's a group of people that believe that isn't going on. They're like, oh, no, no, we have that in our expense policies. Well. Great. Everyone can write a policy. It doesn't mean it's being adhered to. You really got to look at the numbers and the data hard. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations probably threw a lot of money at IT and said, hey, help us with remote and hybrid work. So we need Zoom. We need, you know, teams up and running. Um, you know, across organization, yeah. you know, overnight. 100%. I think, you know, uh, I, I'd, I'd, had, I'd have to look up the exact figures, but I think, you know, I was reading some analyst research recently, but um, I think the first six months of the pandemic, typical sort of IT budgets just sort of around this application stack and getting people remote kind of budgets had gone up by up to 20% in some organizations, you know, Um now I'm not sure CFOs are comfortable with that being the new baseline for costs for all their companies. So we're we're about to find out one way or another, given I think where the world's heading. Mm. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, any any other advice for CIOs or IT managers that are trying to get a handle on their on their SaaS app usage? I think um, I, I think the key for me is um, I think this notion of control is a very very interesting one. Um, and I don't think you you can control this anymore. So I think it's about taking a, a radically different approach. And that's why I talk about this proactive governance. And for me, it's, look, we know these things are happening, but it's about mitigating strategies around a, the cost of these things, the security of these things, 
usability of these things and actually can they work and interoperate with one another. And I think once you, and, and that's why I talk about discovery being key. Once you know what you have, then you can really start to optimize and hone in and be really smart about how you buy and what you buy, which is a lot of what we do as well. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, sort of to, to go back to my point about shadow IT being a positive indicator, I think, I think it's time to have the conversation, find out what you've got, put those guardrails in place and actually demonstrate that, you know, we're going through difficult times, but we're running, you know, CIOs in a unique position other than sort of a, a few departments. They're the, they're the service provider to every single employee in the company, mm. you know? So, uh, people often forget that the volume of what goes on behind the scenes. We also run contact centers for help desks and all sorts of different things, you know, for ourselves. So um, I, I'd embrace it. I would also start to think about these more employee-centric models so you can really, really be a good partner to, to the businesses that you're trying to grow. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and put data in the heart of all of these things. Mm. That that's leads me to actually a, a final question I want to ask you is that how, how can getting a handle on your organization SAP asset usage help prevent burnout among IT professionals and IT leaders. Because I think that's I think that's a real thing. Um, and yeah. there, there's I'm sure there's data to back that up. But um, I mean I, I I don't understand how you cannot be burnt out dealing with what you've been dealing with over the last over the last two years. I, I totally agree with you. Look, no, we've we've seen we've seen spend go up. We've not necessarily seen heads kind right. of increase exponentially either, you know, just because I'm running 50 more apps than I was last year, I've not got more people to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the key here is, um, you're right, IT teams are under pressure like they have never been before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from one side, there's there's a demand for money back. On the other side, there's a demand for improvement in service quality, in speed, in time. And look, uh, automation is going to be the key here and this is why actually understanding what you've got and integrating it into that ecosystem is table stakes so just knowing that i've got 100 applications that are being purchased outside of it that have sizable usage but they're not sitting behind my single sign-on platform but they're not sitting behind that well you're not going to be able to put any security protocols around that you're not going to be able to do any of those other things or build all the automation for onboarding users and offboarding users or you know put them into an app, app center, which is a product that we have as well. So I, I think that's that's the key message there. You've got to, you, you've really got to kind of get to understanding the whole piece to then drive and integrate it into your processes and systems, because that's the only way it's scalable. Um, it's the only way you can add another 30 applications in, in, in and still manage with the sort of same size team that you've got. Great, uh, Sheesh, thanks very much. I appreciate you stopping in. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you.